Super Beast podcast with Berg, Blake, and Charlotte. Uh, Berg, Charlotte, how are you doing? Yeah, good, thank you. Yeah, uh, Mother's Day today, so we've been over and seen my mum and had an epic meal and a walk and stuff. Okay, well, we've got a fair bit coming up on this episode, so we're going to crack on. Uh, we've got some new jingles to play each other, um, a very opinionated look at the news, as always, um, some music news, some film, TV, and zine reviews, Room 919. Um, and also we've got a special guest joining us uh, again this month. We've got Fizzy, uh, who is a general creative type, a producer of um, art and uh, prints, like lino prints and that type of thing. Fizzy, how, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's oh, nice to talk to real people. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us. It's great, great to have you on. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll get your uh, take on some of the stuff that's going on in the world very soon. Um, first of all, uh, Berg, what have you been up to in the last month? Have you been packing a lot in? Back at work now, which is nice. Yes, like uh, got my home testing kits, so I'm sticking things up my nose, and <laughs> <laughs> which is nice. Like uh, feel a bit more secure doing that, sticking things at the back of my throat, like uh, like everyone's everyone's doing. Although the kids only have to do it voluntarily, we have to test. It is mandatory for teachers. It's voluntary for people. It's good. Been doing a lot of reading and uh, lots of art, lots of drawings. At the minute like people's birthday cards and stuff, but having fun and uh, just rolling with it. Yeah, I've still got my uh, birthday card that you made me hear. Um, it's the few that survived the, you know, the call. How's stuff been with you? Um, yeah, good. Uh, I start. I thought I'd better make a little list of of what I've been up to, you know, so that I've got something to say. And um, it just says now. <laughs> um, yeah, I've really, really not been up to much. Been nowhere. Seen nothing. Um, no, that's not not entirely true. I've been really busy with work, and um, also, it seems like. It seems like more and more people I know are starting to kind of lose their lose their minds a little bit because of lockdown. Um, mm. And so I feel like definitely in the last month I've been kind of talking to a lot more people about how they're kind of struggling with things and kind of yeah, yeah sort of just talking talking to people a lot um, who are mm. in a good way, which is which not great really. Um, but yeah, to, yeah, just just chatting to people basically yeah. possible is, is pretty much what I've been doing. Um, I also discovered my old mini disc uh, collection, a mini disc player. <laughs> this is oh, yeah. um, so I've been listening to them. I, I guess I stopped using it in like 2001 or something. So it's like a little time capsule of terrible <laughs> music from my uh, teenagers, but uh, yeah, it's been really good fun listening to it. Um, I how great mini discs are like, yeah, they're, they're <laughs> so yeah, that's that's my geeky thing that I've been up to. I remember when they came out and everybody thought they were like the future that everybody was going to be using them, and yeah, they yeah. were really expensive as well at the time. And then it kind of like they just sort of petered out, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't know, I don't know what happened, but yeah, they're they're, they're pretty good. So I've been carrying <laughs> that around with me a lot and enjoying some absolutely just insane mixes. You know, when you're a teenager and you just like, <laughs> everything and it goes from like you know one thing to the next with not, it just yeah. yeah, it's been a lot of fun. How, how about you, Shallow? What have you been up to? Um, working a lot of working. Um, like 
last few weeks um i've been teaching myself various tricks of like google analytics and kind of boring stuff like that but it's actually quite interesting when you start digging into it um but um it just feels really strange because like, i don't know when i'm actually going to be back at work it's like i'm still working from home and it's like there's no kind of like hard and fast plan for like when we're going to get back so it just i'm sort of in limbo a little bit it's really strange um but i haven't missed commuting at all this week because the weather's been all over the place so at least i haven't had to choose what to put on my feet or anything it's literally just slippers every day so it makes life easy slippers and joggers every day you know don't have to worry about a work wardrobe i just have a smart top that i put on for meetings so it's fine <laughs> Perfect. Monday mermaid, you know, yeah, smart it's great. Top, waist down. <laughs> it's like, yeah, total car crash at the bottom half. I, I did my first um, Zoom call without any trousers on recently. I saw you me really early and I was just like, oh, I've got to go and answer that. So I just put a T-shirt on and I got away with it. I'm not brave enough to do that because the cats always come in and want something. I always end up having to like stand up and sort the cats out. So I have to be fairly respectable and at least wear trousers. <laughs> Is, Fizzy, what have you been up to recently? Uh, anything exciting? Well, I've been working all the way through lockdown. And so I've been just working and last weekend no the one before it was really nice and sunny for like the first time so I actually got to get out and go around all the different parks and nature reserves around South Manchester where I live and nice. just cycled around and it was so wholesome and nice and I really needed that um yeah, yeah. and then and then this because I work like alternate weekends so like this weekend off it's just like miserable and windy and rainy out there it just looks so yeah. <laughs> like you had your fun that's it yeah. <laughs> but yeah I've just been working on some um artwork stuff um one of them's for Lunar um who's Hassan from Triple Sunday um so Triple Sunday amazing band from London um Hassan's been doing his own music for the past year and a bit I think but yeah he's amazing so he's been asking me to do some stuff and yeah just working on that kind of stuff so far that sounds good I think it's important just to keep busy doing anything at the moment yeah, it's, uh, yeah it's, it, it uh, brings a bit of definition to to life to actually have tasks to complete and things to do doesn't it at the moment so yeah yeah like the first uh few weeks of lockdown I bought this like 12k block of air dry clay um I've been just making loads of like little decoration-y stuff to hang on the walls and because oh. my house is literally like I rent so the house is all white walls but over the last um year I guess I've just been nailing things up in different corners <laughs> you can see some of it behind me but like yeah just like loads of little like moon decorations and things like that yeah I got a little witchy with it <laughs> like the inner cloth in me came out okay cool well um have um Berg and Charlotte I believe you've made a jingle for us this this month <laughs> we have indeed yeah. yeah we had fun making this actually yeah um... <laughs> I completely insulted John when we were making this I didn't mean to maybe should you play it first and then I'll, t I'll say why or well, I'll say what it is first. Like, uh, it, it's about Matt Hancock, and there was this news item where he's like spent a lot of public money without going through due process of kind of accounting for who he spent it with, and a lot of it, I think, um, eight hundred and forty-seven million pounds worth of public money went to Tory donors and for PPE contracts and such like. Considering we're a little bit late with some of these things, and uh, you know that probably caused a lot of problems it's a little bit bad that he didn't get into more bother about that but um yeah I, I thought that a lot of the newspapers at that time led with 
with royal family related uh, stories. So we made a jingle sort of looking at the looking at Hancock. Mm. <laughs> and I uh, didn't make any puns. We didn't make any. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay, well um, let's have a listen. Matt Hancock's so clean of sweat, laddie sparkles, billions on illegal contracts, the media trends, mega markles. Seems covered in shit, then he gets in a rush. Everyone gets the clock, then we all get a badge. Wow. <laughs> so um, I had problems with this because um, when John was playing the, the original track to me, um, I didn't realise it actually had um, like a tune or a key or anything. <laughs> I thought he just wanted something like really kind of punk and raw. So I went for it. Then he was like, can you try and hit some of the notes? And I was like, what <laughs> notes? <laughs> Because it just had this really discordant violin and things. And it's like, I spent ages putting an orchestra on that. And it's like, what orchestra? It just sounds awful, mate. And then it's like, <laughs> so we, we, we kind of reached an artistic compromise on it anyway. <laughs> but yeah, so, so, sorry for insulting you. And it's worth saying as well, that was the debut performance of our, of our kit, uh, uh, um, our little. Kitten Ziggy. Well, well, she's a cat now. Yeah, she? right at the end. If you listen really carefully, she, she says meows. she says meows. But what that meow actually means in cat uh, is out. Yeah, that's next a, to the out. Door. So yeah. what she said about Matt Hancock out. <laughs> like, almost what Keir Starmer could have said, but he was too busy saying. <laughs> My cat is in the room, and she just um, started nodding when oh. <laughs> So like, yeah. Is, there, is anyone else got a jingle? Um, I did one. It's um, yeah. I, I think I told you about my uh, my um, melancholic oboe <laughs> um, last month. Anyway, I worked that into a into a very short jingle um, that that makes no sense whatsoever. Um, uh, but it but it's destined to make you intensely sad. So um, I'll, I'll play it now anyway. There you go. <laughs> a nice, nice sort of French feel to it. Mesmerizing uh, in, in its uh, ineptitude. Um, okay, well, uh, there, there you go. Let's uh, let's have a song anyway uh, from uh, some proper musicians. Um, Berg, are you going to pick the? Like, what do you mean? What do you mean? Go, you know, proper musicians. <laughs> Oh, and Fizzy, I didn't ask you, I don't suppose you've made a little jingle, had you? No, I haven't. I am not um, musically musical. I, I, <laughs> I, can't, I can't make things happen like that, unless if someone tells me what to do, but oh. no. Okay, all right, well, maybe next time. Um, okay, well, yeah, in that case, uh, let's let's have a song then. Who's picking the first one? Is it is it you, Berg, or? So, wait, wait, are we playing Freddie right now? Let's, yeah, let's go with Freddie first, because... It kind of bums me out. And then <laughs> the third song can be the happier song about touring and stuff.
time we play one of his songs on this uh on the podcast it's always really good i've got to uh, check out some more of his album he's got this like freddy footbooker for beginners spot uh playlist on spotify oh yeah he's got all of his stuff yeah. like there's like some spoken word stuff that he's done in it as well which is pretty cool so that was that was freddy footbooker with fortress europa uh, from his new ep uh, black hole bait uh, just a very unexpectedly released four-track EP. All right. Um, should we uh, should we have a look at some some news? 
that's going on in the world or has gone on? So I've got a few, but they're all quite depressing, to be honest. So I'm like, I don't know whether I want to do them. Or I'm not sure. <laughs> um, I've got one one thing that uh, it's just not very nice, but it's something that people can do something about. So, um, but yeah, I found out that um, Bolton Abbey Estate um, have been um, laying snares to protect the game which I didn't know that snares were still legal anyway, but then uh, not only have they been laying snares to try and catch foxes, but they've actually been catching people's cats in the snares as well and killing cats um, on the land. And they've been caught doing this a couple of times apparently. And then um, somebody was out jogging and um, found a cat and a fox that had been snared and took a picture. And then um, it's kind of been doing the rounds on social media. So uh, yeah, Bolton Abbey Estate, it, and it's annoying as well because it's somewhere that I used to go quite a lot. And like in my old job, when I used to take international students on trips and things, that was somewhere where I used to take them a lot. And it's it's a popular place for people to go. But I shan't be going and giving them my money anymore anyway, because um, they were just completely unapologetic about the fact that they were killing people's cats. So, um, yeah, I think if if you like like cats, don't go to Bolton Abbey. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah. I mean, the reason they're doing it is so rich people can shoot yeah, defenseless animals. They make a lot of money from hunting parties on their land. And I mean, they're the same family that own Chatsworth House. So it's not like they don't have enough land already, but um, yeah, they're still feeling feeling the need to do that. So yeah, not great. <laughs> I mean, we could cut out the middleman and just go around shooting cats and then everyone would be going, yeah, target practice. Yeah, let's just fucking kill animals. Tories, shoot Tories. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm struggling for positive news stories this week. Um, Pretty Patel uh, cost the government, uh, and the UK taxpayer, uh, £370,000 uh, this month um, in the settlement of her bullying case. I think Sir Philip Rutnam, who, who'd uh, accused her of bullying um, in the Home Office as the Permanent Secretary, uh, and they settled out of court for £370,000. So cheers for that, Pretty Patel. Hmm. So is she a bully then? Well... Um, the, the money that just changed hands uh, seems to uh, insinuate she might be. Mm. But she's not legally a bully. She's bought a way out of it. Yeah, I suppose. That's, so. that's just her giving the lunch money back to, like, <laughs> the other, like okay, have it back. I know it's like £300,000, but that's how much we spend on our lunches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, caviar will do that. <laughs> I noticed there was a news article saying in Switzerland um, in the last few weeks, they've banned the wearing of face coverings. Um, so uh, partic- in particularly burqas uh, and the niqab. And this was um, sort of seemed to be mainly focused on, on the few uh, Muslim women in Switzerland that wear these. Um, and they'd voted 51.2% in favour of banning them. So that, that ban is going to happen, um, which just seemed uh, a really, I mean, Bizarre anyway, but really bizarre given the state of the world and the fact that we're all wearing face coverings at the moment to try and like curtail this pandemic. Uh, mm. Yeah, just bizarre. France had that uh, face covering ban come in like maybe five years ago. I'm, I can't remember, but it was a while ago and now everyone's covered up. But oh. it's really weird that the timing of it happening now. Yeah. Because everyone's been asked to wear them for public safety like to prevent like uh, this aerosol, aerosol transmission so why would you choose this point now to do it 
It's just secular face coverings only. No. Oh, right. Oh, okay. <laughs> how, how do you tell the difference if you stop someone and you say, is that, is that a religious face covering or is that just a public health face covering? I guess you could get away with it if you were like slick enough. Yeah. I mean, we're kind of approaching this from an angle as if it makes sense. Um. <laughs> I do honestly feel that like there's so many rules against what women can and can't wear and it's just yeah it's it's not good there's no point to banning these things at all like it's just um, a way of yeah repressing people but in a different way isn't it they're thinking oh it stops people being repressed or whatever but it's it's not true I got some contact from Amnesty yesterday where they're saying um some it was like a couple of people in Iran had been arrested for like because they were taking videos of themselves not wearing the hijab mm. And they've been given 15 years for this. And like they said, it's, a, it's been rounded down to nine, but nine years for not wearing the hijab. Like, so on, in other countries, it's like mandatory to wear some of those things. Mm. Like, I don't know. Like, um, it's just seemed crazy that such a, a discrepancy between the rules in different mm. countries and, you know, attitudes towards it. I'm from, I'm from Iran. So like, I, but I, I moved here when I was eight. So what I know for, about it is pretty much as secondhand as like, it's, like you guys I've, i know some stuff from like family and stuff the things they've said but um yeah there's been there's been more and more of those type of protesters like um the the like no headscarf ones and like it's crazy that like for for me i don't think that i could ever do what they do in iran because i'm so scared of the outcomes because it's not that you just get uh, arrested and put in jail and then you have your trial and that's it like the things that these women go through in from getting arrested to like their court date it's just horrible it's disgusting and it's just like harrowing as well like this um heard stories from my cousins who are still there who um like the things that have happened to even just their friends who were like slightly like say like Iran's not as, um, it's not like Saudi Arabia where you have to be covered up, you can't go out if you're just like a woman on your own. It's a lot more relaxed, but you still have like these like morality police um, who they're not actually part of the police. They're just there to kind of make sure women are dressed right, people are acting right. And you can bribe them to let you go. So a lot of the times like they, um, you know, you're waiting for your parents to come pick you up and in that time, anything could happen to, to these people. And yeah, that's really depressing. <laughs> We're like trying to think of like happy things, but yeah, I'm scared of ever approaching that kind of stuff in, in that country. Not that I'm like, not that I don't love my country, but like the things that these women do to mm-hmm. hopefully try and achieve some change, like amazing. Just two, two last pieces of news that I've got, um, kind of um, linking back to what I was um, somewhat depressingly banging on about in the last episode um but there was a a study in 2017 uh, the book published recently um basically uh sperm counts are falling um the the research uh, looked at sperm counts uh, between 1973 and 2011 uh, and found that they seem to have uh, fallen by about 50 percent which is a little over one percent a year um and so uh, Dr. Shanna Shaw's book, Countdown, uh, in that she theory theorizes that um, roughly um, 77%, sorry, 7% of males are infertile at the moment, um, but projects this to be as high as 49% by 2050. Um, that basically means that, that conceiving uh, without some sort of medical intervention will be almost impossible by that date. Um, and she theorizes that, that it's um, connected to 
everywhere chemicals, which is a bit like what we were talking about last time with these microplastics and stuff. But um, yeah, just coming back to the idea that we might have already unleashed whatever it is that causes our ultimate demise, um, which uh, is uh, something that uh, I love thinking about at the moment. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. <laughs> like children of men kind of thing. Exactly, isn't it? yeah. Yeah, um, it's quite worrying and uh, something to be thinking about. Um, and, uh, this is a vaguely positive piece of news as well. Um, Darlington, um, mine and Berg's uh, hometown, has been awarded um, the Treasury Office contract. Um, oh, yeah. So um, we're going to see lots of civil servants uh, moving out of London uh, to Darlington, where they're going to uh, re rebase and, and work for the Treasury, uh, which is, is great news for, for Darlington. Um, but maybe not not so great news to people who didn't want to move there from London. I do think though this kind of decentralising of the government, um, I really hope that it's something that that kind of happens longer term and that they do kind of keep this this whole plan and it doesn't all end up sort of going back to London because um, I do think um, it's really important that um, they kind of have more of a concept of what actually happens outside of London because I don't think that a lot of people that are in government really do so um, and creating jobs and sort of uh, spreading the wealth a bit and sharing sharing kind of the the responsibility across the, the country it's going to make people feel more connected with kind of politics and what goes on in, in the country hopefully anyway is you you got any, any news items you you like to, to to discuss i don't watch the news anymore i look at the headlines of the guardian we get in work and like as i'm walking past it but i feel like if i look at the news and if i am um, taking any more information i i might just combust like it spontaneously combust because everything is horrible it is <laughs> so um i don't know that my news today is um like i saw a really big crow outside my window and like there's all these trees and this crow is just having a whale of a time that's that's the news i have today my cat did a little thing at the window like oh what's that it's a bird um and that's my news <laughs> i'm trying to keep things fuzzy yeah keep them within your like I don't know like things that you can change or enjoy or you know like I think that's really good sometimes you just take a complete news break it really is <laughs> concentrate on nice things close to home <laughs> it's like never mind the COVID news you've got the COVID news <laughs> <laughs> maybe I can um send you guys COVID updates <laughs> yeah <laughs> now you need them pretty regular because it changes pretty quickly in the world of COVID. oh yeah yeah <laughs> Like, um, I don't have my head completely in the sand, but every now and then I, like, dip an eye above the sand to see what's going on, but usually it's just, like, goes firmly back in. It's like, okay, yeah, still terrible. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've got the right idea. <laughs> yeah, I've been re getting really into making Spotify playlists for very specific moods, <laughs> so I can just, like, tailor a good mood. Yeah. Or, like, yeah. oh, I'm going to feel a bit spooky. Here's my spooky Tom Waits playlist. And <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, reality does not hold my interest right now. <laughs> no. Well, Berg, how are you going to follow that? Oh, well, I'm going to rattle through some stories like a crow would like. <laughs> going to get whiplash from all of these. Yeah. Uh, so let's go. Right. So uh, schools gone back uh, and the testing people. And my, now, now my beef with this schools going back, I've not got a problem with schools going back. I suppose it's about the right time. But it's, it, the, we had two weeks to prepare for it. And instead of being like solid, just advice of what to do, they kept changing their mind all the time. Like our, our like senior management were getting stressed and just like going, 
oh, there's been another U-turn. They're in the middle of a meeting going, right, all of this is now invalid. We're going to just finish the meeting because they've totally changed the policy. Testing, mandatory testing, voluntary. And it, they're kind of, the main take on this seems to be anything complex about it or difficult. It's just like, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do. Like, you have to wear masks in the class or maybe you don't. And they kept changing their mind on that. It would have been nice to have two weeks to just prepare, knowing what the deal is to get all the risk assessments and stuff done. But it seems to be going all right so far. We've got test kits. Pupils can get test kits. The you know, like in Bradford, where where we are in the district, like we Charlotte and like uh, families can get test kits as well. So, but it was interesting. I thought that like the frontline workers have, especially older frontline workers, haven't had any priority, and it led me to having some slightly sort of cynical thoughts, thinking a lot of these older workers are on like state pensions and. You know, the government's probably looked at some of the people that have gone and gone, we're reducing our wage bill in the long run. And I just hope that it isn't a case of them going, well, you know, you know, they're going to be the higher viral load of the kids back and like, yeah, some of the other teachers are going to get it, but that's just the price we get and, you know, saving in the long run. So um, I don't know how you guys feel about, like, I suppose they're rolling it down the age groups now, but frontline workers getting any level of priority or do you think it's been done about right or ethnic minorities getting priority because they've, they've been getting a much higher rates? I don't know if anyone's got any thoughts on that. Not, not as sophisticated thoughts other than it, it seemed like uh, there should have been yeah, priority given to these people. Um, yeah, if, if they're more susceptible or there's, there's more chance of people getting COVID or it, or it affecting them worse, then absolutely they should have it prioritised. Other news stories that caught my attention, 49 GP practices have been bought by this um, US health firm, uh, Center Corp. So they, private private insurance giant from the US have, have uh, started to get some of our GP practices. There wasn't any consultation on this. Um, just thought, yeah, no, didn't, didn't really think very much of that. Um, so and been on the slab, so to speak. What's the implications of that then? If they if they own the GP practices, what what does that mean? Can they kick they out? Run, I guess they run them, and I suppose if you run a business, you want to see a profit eventually. So I don't know if that how that works. You can probably imagine there's lots of possibilities of different drugs being you know different partners and how it's done or like. Mm -hmm. But I don't know how these things are exactly funded. But I just I like the the idea of an NHS that's free at the point of entry and, and that isn't getting sort of privatised piecemeal bit bit at a time. Um, NHS staff pay rise, like we're getting a 1% pay rise, but it's beneath like the inflation rate. Yeah, that's it. So is it enough? And if it isn't enough, like um, then what? Should we give them more? Or, or should they just be grateful and accept it? And if that is the case and they don't accept it and they're not grateful, should they have to give their badges back? Because if they've got the badges and they're being ungrateful towards... Are you on about Hancock, those crappy little 50 pence Matt Hancock cock badges? Them ones. I am, I am. Um, I'm very angry about this. Um, <laughs> but if they were to give their badges back and they were all to be melted down, what could be made and, and what, what do you reckon it should be? So what, what do you think? A cage to go on the back of a truck to put Matt Hancock in to tour around all the hospitals so that they can all pelt him with, like, I don't know, nasty things from the hospitals. <laughs> <laughs> just a biohazard bin, it's just like yeah. <laughs> syringes and stuff. Badges. Right, um, so the, the new police powers to curb non-violent protests by Pretty Patel, uh, pretty crappy, uh, you ask me. So this is on the back of, there was this thing, this survey we mentioned in a bunch of podcasts back about not criminalising trespass. And the, the police, well, and the police have already got relatively enough powers to deal with protests. They say we don't really need any more, but 
the Home Secretary, and this is going to be debated uh, on Tuesday. It's on about having the police being able to seize vehicles, people like fox hunters and things like this, like non-violent protests, like we've seen over the weekend. They're looking to develop covert intelligence, facial recognition, um, serious powers to combat serious disruptions to communities and organisations. So, for instance, like the, the, the people at Preston North Road who were protesting against fracking, they could have had their cars basically seized. Um, and yeah, it's, it's all like, it's been described as alarming and illiberal by the Ken, Kevin Blow, the campaign's coordinator for the police monitoring group, NetPol. Um, don't know what you think about this, but basically it sort of seems to be that they can ban assemblies. They have to, you have to ask for permission to, have a, to do a protest. And then the government's got the right to say yes or no. They can get rid of any encampments. They can nick the vehicles of people and well, based on what we saw at the weekend, they seem to be able to react to a non-violent protest mm. by kettling people, saying that you're not socially distancing yeah. and then being violent towards them. I don't know how, how you guys feel about these extra powers that are being suggested. I think it's pretty horrendous because I feel like the right to protest is something that's like fundamental to who we are in this country. It's something that like we, you know, we, we fought hard for a long time ago. Um, and um, I do feel like it's it, it's quite shocking that this is kind of potentially being taken away. And I mean, in relation to the things that you're talking about this weekend, um, about the, the murder of Sarah Everard and um, the fact that like women are trying to kind of hold a vigil and then also like the, the whole Reclaim the Streets movement. Um, I think it shows the level of anger that women are feeling about this. Um, and it does feel like that some of the footage that I've seen about what happened over the weekend is pretty shocking. And I feel like it's basically men, again, <laughs> like causing problems for women on the streets, um, just in a different way. These just happen to be men in uniform. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'm not happy about it at all. Like this removal of the right to protest is not cool. I was born in like places, um, you know, that are affected by miners' strikes and things like that. So, you know, it's it's, it's in my blood to to feel angry about this because this is something that you know it's a, a lived reality for a lot of people that are, you know in, in my life. So, yeah, this is it's important. Is this what it sounds like? Is they just want you to not even try and do a protest just start a riot straight away or like show how angry you actually are just go just go all out don't try and be nice about it with your signs just destroy shit because they're going to come and just arrest you anyway right so uh uk by 2030 electric cars uh, were going to be like the only cars that could be sold now the car companies have canvassed the government uh to basically say that no uh we want hybrids to be well we sold the government sort of caved in and said all right, hybrids are electric cars, so that's fine. Well, 2020 was the hottest year on record. Um, 1.6 degrees Celsius over the average in Europe. Uh, the year before was 1.2 degrees Celsius over, so it's getting hotter because we're not really doing things that we ought to be doing and it ought to have been doing. Um, an interesting one that came out, you know, there's like the California like hurricanes, like pollution can, I was reading a new scientist, pollution can worsen the aerosol particles put in that actually make the hurricanes worse. So they're actually suggesting that some of the fossil fuel plants during a hurricane need to be stopped because that's actually going to exacerbate um, the sort of situation. Um, it was also interesting during the, the hurricane that um, some of the, the Californians were like getting on the back of like green energy and saying, look, the green energy is breaking down. Here's like a wind turbine that's frozen. 
and someone had dug up some footage from Sweden in 2014 to show that the Green Revolution doesn't have, look at it, breaking in the force of nature. And like saying, no, we don't need any more green, we need more fossil fuels. But like at the same time, the science was kind of pointing to the exact opposite. But I love seeing the the, uh, the counter arguments of climate change tonight, they make me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> now, three positive ones. Okay, so, um, so positive mood and good friends and access to all that kind of good stuff, this, this boosts the, the possibility of vaccine uh, efficiency. So when you guys get your vaccine, you want to surround yourself by nice, well, not physically surround yourself if you can, <laughs> but spend lots of time, get lots of happy, chat to lots of people, and your vaccine's going to have more chance of being effective. So get happy when you get vaccinated and uh, it's more chance of, of working for you. How does that work? Uh, like, Right. Like endorphins and stuff like that. I'm not a scientist, but like I do like to read about science. Um, but yeah, just I, I suppose like your endorphins are up and like the, even like the placebo effect and stuff like that means that you you're more more likely to if you think something good's gonna happen, then it's likely to, you know, to be better in, in terms of uh, the efficiency of, of these things mm. so yeah get happy and uh, and believe <laughs> <laughs> believe <laughs> yeah um robotic tree planting uh robots in estonia right so these things are like the size of like little like cars and they go around and they can plant three thousand five hundred trees in a day and like the idea is that there'll be like maybe one human for seven robots going around like shepherding checking that they're not like uh, getting too too badly you know that they're not like tipped up upside down like in robot wars need self-writing mechanisms but i thought that was that was great like uh tree planting robots like reforesting estonia and that's adorable i would love to be a robot shepherd like a <laughs> tree planting robot shepherd i would love to be that i have no qualifications i can't fix things but i'd be there more for moral support like come on robot one more positive one dan ruzga he's a dutch scientist uh, he's come up with these various um sort of projects relating to uv light and now he's, he's using these ultraviolet light recipe to sort of increase crop yields now this is a, 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 a collaboration of science and art because it turns fields into a kind of this beautiful dancing array of like um yeah kaleidoscope of colors and, and like highlights where the crops are moving it just looks absolutely amazing the idea is to kind of infuse people about farming and the need for it to, to, to be good but also like it increases crop yields because um, you know certain plants, especially like leeks, they do well with like a light ultraviolet light. Now these things come from solar panels, so like it's the the heat, the light in the day is, is increasing the yield at night, and they can decrease the use of pesticides. So it's triple plus good as far as I can see. It looks fucking cool, and um, yeah, it does all these things. Ruzgad has got some other interesting projects. Um, like he's got these like these things that capture smog in cities. These sort of towers that that kind of take smog out of the atmosphere. And this is another really, really interesting one called Project Urban Sun. Now, this is sort of, again, they're from solar panels. They're based in the cities and they kind of wash over, well, the light washes over different um, areas and it kind of gets rid of COVID sort of from, from any particles and things from, from where it's there. So effectively using solar power to like wash over and clean the cityscape. I just thought this, this guy, what he does is, is excellent. And uh, yeah, I totally recommend. We'll probably post a link to this after the podcast because uh, it's really, really cool. So I do recommend Studio Rosengard and uh, what, what he's doing because loads of really, really cool futuristic artistic projects. Could we could we take the light and put it inside the body? <laughs> then we could all drink some bleach, right? <laughs> yeah. Wow. 
Well, that that was like that was a whole lot of news. Yes, I like I like the COVID news. No, the COVID news. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What's the latest? What's the latest outside the window? Any developments? Nighttime now. So if there is any crows out there, they're being very sneaky and I can't see them. We'll come back to you a little bit later on and yeah, get yeah. update on that. Um, that's great. Um, in in the meantime, um, let's uh, let's have a little bit of uh, music news. I think. To um, Paul Weller's latest one, actually, um, I watched um, a bit of Jules Holland the other night, and he was on there. And um, I wasn't that impressed, to be honest. I want to say it was good, but it was just a bit meh. Because I used to really like Paul Weller, and I was kind of a bit disappointed by that. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's a bit middle of the road. Is what's that a new album or a new song? Um, I think it's a new album that he's got out, but it was a new song that he was playing on there, obviously off the album. But um, yeah, it was just a bit. Yeah, I, I wanted it to be good, and it wasn't. <laughs> I felt disappointed. <laughs> so that's my news. <laughs> Disappointing new song from Paul Weller. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we could lead with that. Yeah, that's great. Surprisingly, I can't listen to it. I can't stop listening to a song by Bruno Mars, oh. and I don't know how that happened. But actually, I do know exactly how it happened because Anderson Pack is also on it, and he's like Tabasco. If you put him on any song, it makes the song even better. But, um, <laughs> so yeah, um, Anderson Park and Bruno Mars, uh, "Leave the Door Open" has been my jam this week. And yeah, I don't know what's happened, Bruno Mars. For <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that. Which, which of your playlists did you have you added him to then? That's on its own so far because it's just a single favorite um spotify playlist i've made is called classical music to listen to when gripped with the urge to do unspeakable evil and, <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> um, I mean yeah listen to it during thunderstorms when it's windy outside when it's 3 a.m and there are no lights on in the house when you're urgently compelled to wear a long hooded robe and glide through the house surrounded by a cloud of incense sticks um <laughs> when magpies are fighting in the garden when you're drinking red wine so um yeah that's my favorite playlist um bruno mars probably won't go into that one <laughs> uh, well there's a new tinder sticks album uh and uh, much like charlotte i'm i'm kind of underwhelmed uh, by it um there's, there's a couple of good tracks they're all like kind of sort of eight ten minutes long but uh they're kind of like cinematic and and quite hypnotic but then they're not really hitting the spot for me, which is a bit disappointing. But the new Mogwai album is um, As Love Continues. Uh, it went to number one in the album charts, which is quite something for Mogwai. Um, they've been like knocking out albums for about 25 years, and this is the first time they've they've done anything like that. So that's uh, that's pretty good, and it's a good album. We've talked a lot about the Arab Strap album, uh, and I'm sure we'll talk about it some more, but that came out, and it is great. Um, and... Aldous Harding's got a new track out called Revival. I just saw this before we started recording. I haven't actually listened to it yet, but she, her previous to one album was excellent. So hopefully Revival, the song will be good. We'll see. That's my music news. All right, well, we mentioned Freddie Puckers DP Black Hole Bait. You should go and uh, download that. That's great. Incisions have released an album called Bliss. Matilda Scoundrels have released a seven inch called Devil's Jews with two songs that uh, they recorded during the last album that didn't make it to that album. Fizzy Grand Collapse have got something in the pipeline. Like, uh, that. I've seen it, the artwork for it. Like, have you? Oh. Yeah. Um, it, it's, I can't remember what it's called, but it's uh, it's like the same type of like lino cut 
type artwork. It just looks sick. I haven't listened to it. I haven't heard any any of it yet, but excited. Yeah, very excited. I, their art is, is incredible as well. I so regret not buying the last T-shirt. Now it's only like extra extra large, and I can't wear that. Um, also very exciting, Rudimentary Penny. Um, these are like an 80s kind of anarcho crust band. They're releasing their first album in 26 years called Great War. Um, and this is like, it's he's not actually, uh, the guy's not actually written the lyrics. This is all from Wilfred Owen poetry. Um, so I'm semi-interested to hear this. I really, really like their early years. It's so ferocious. But also they're gonna release the back catalog, which you can't buy anywhere. It's like super, super rare. So I'm gonna buy some Rudimentary Penny as this is gonna get released over the next couple of years. I'm happy about that. Um, Hell Hath No Fury Records, um, they're closing, they're stopping. I'm really sad about this. Um, they were releasing some really, really great, like very interesting female, mainly female artists, like punk artists. But the person who's running it was sort of saying they were getting a bit um, frazzled from doing it. And because the activism they were involved in, they were getting a lot of shit back. Um, and they were finding it all a little bit difficult to manage and they just wanted out. And I think it's a real shame when you someone makes something that's so interesting and good and then gets overawed by basically people giving them shit back and then stops doing it. So I uh, feel a bit sad about that. But the pop punk album I downloaded from them is my most played album last year. Just linked to so many new bands from like that record label. It just seems it's really sad that they're, they're going to stop doing it. I hope that someone else can take it over or something can continue. Um, people who do run the DIY labels or like have zines, if they get to a point where they feel obligated to carry on and kind of, oh, it doesn't matter if I feel a certain way, I need to I need to pr provide content for people. But yeah, it's um, I, I wish her the best. Like it was it was awesome what she was doing. So um, I've I've found these uh, this band called Distance who who produce a brand of COVID core. And they've just been, it's a distance recording project between people, it's that DB crust punk. Their EPs are so interesting. I want to play a song from these on a future episode of Will. Like, EPs like Stay In and Survive, Screamed from Lockdown Land, Too Late, Too Late, uh, Take On the Too Little, Too Late, I Can't Breathe, and Lockdown 2.0 um, with, with a great track, Swines to the Trough, about the kind of uh, nepotism involved in the COVID contracts. But you can listen to this music and get the real inside line of what was happening in lockdown in the, in the, in the form of like punk music. So. Check distance out, they're, they're excellent. Um, Skin from Skunk and Nancy has been appointed the Chancellor of Leeds. Oh, yeah, uh, Leeds Arts University. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm so jealous because I work at um, the University of Leeds. <laughs> we've, we've got nice people working there, but it's not Skin from Skunk and Nancy, you know what I mean? It's like... <laughs> um, Daft Punk have retired. Okay. Yeah. And uh, Speed Dinosaurs, we've got a gig. This is the last <laughs> We're playing Woodstock. Lindley, Lindley Woodstock. It's like a sort of, my old landlord actually, Nick, uh, runs a little festival at like a sort of horse. He has like a kind of uh, an area where him and his, his wife live, it's like, like a, a horse range. Yeah, it's like a little small. Yeah, like, yeah. So we're going to be on the stage on the Sunday, like, uh, you know, in the early afternoon, uh, playing to a socially distanced crowd. But Woodstock, dude, we were there. <laughs> Did we want to find out the answer to the question uh, last month from the parish quiz? Yes. Did we not include the answer in the podcast, though, already? Oh, no, we didn't. All right. All right. So the, the question was, and you can play this if you want, busy. Like, uh, if all the kangaroos in Australia would say, fuck it, and move to Uruguay, how many uh, uh, kangaroos would each Uruguay have to fight? Now it's between 10 and 20, what do you think? <laughs> oh, no, how many How many Euro, How many? many kangaroos they'd have to fight? I'd say 20. Probably 20. Kangaroos. Great, should we, should we find out the answer? <coughs> Let's see if we can. 
Number six, if all the kangaroos in Australia just thought, fuck it, and decided to invade Uruguay, how many kangaroos would every person in Uruguay have to fight? Fourteen. Fourteen. I don't like those odds. Kangaroos <laughs> would own Uruguay. <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to do next? Okay, we're going we're gonna to play a song next. Who's, who's choosing oh. a song? Okay, so um, this is actually one that I've chosen. Um, so um, kind of when we knew that lockdown, this, I think it was like the second lockdown was about to happen, um, we knew that the weather was getting bad and we thought, oh, um, it's probably going to not be like a proper full lockdown. It's just going to be like, you know, they'll say, oh, you can only go to the pub if you sit outside type of thing. So we went on a mission and we went to Keithley, <laughs> tropical lovely place not Keith sorry Bingley Bingley, Bingley. <laughs> we went to Bingley not Keithley we've not made it to Keithley yet that's further we went to Bingley um and in Bingley they have the Damart factory shop so we went to the Damart factory shop to get some long johns so that we'd be warm for sitting outside in pubs in winter because we thought that that would still be something that we could do and then of course like that didn't happen um but um next to the Damart factory shop there's this amazing um it's called Five Rise Records um and it's like um an independent record shop um in bingley um and they have like some amazing stuff in there they've got really really random things but anyway i've been listening to this band off and on sort of on youtube and stuff when i was working called the who um as in like the hu who (laughs) um they're kind of like um, a mongolian rock band like a heavy rock band and they're more viking than the vikings like they're, they're fucking amazing so um and they do throat singing so they do like traditional throat singing as well as playing some like seriously out there instruments like they're just fucking awesome so um this is a song by them which kind of shows off like their throat singing and, and what they do um so yeah the who wolf totem
I want to go fight the hood now. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's I love like that. Because like I've um, I normally if I watch that, I'll see the whole video and I'll, I like the video to it. But um, yeah, I just think like the the showcasing of like the traditional instruments and the the music skills, and I just yeah, it's epic. I think it's great. It's like the the combination of like biker culture and <laughs> Mongolian heritage. It's like yeah. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, they have another one as well that's like, yeah, proper, um, like a lot of real throats, like heavy throat singing on, on the other track as well. But yeah, they're, they're really good. I reckon they kick Rammstein's out. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, I love Rammstein, absolutely love Rammstein. So, like, this this is right up my street. This kind of so, <laughs> at what point do you think to yourself, I need to listen to The Who? And then you would put this onto like soundtrack. What kind of activity are you doing when you listen to this? Usually when I'm really pissed off. Okay. Uh, like it's it's really good like to listen to when you're a bit angry and you can join in with the choruses and there's not any words that I understand. So I just make the noises and I just make angry noises and then I feel better after. <laughs> well, the, the chorus for this one just seemed to be the band's name, wasn't it? But they were yeah. just saying who. Yeah, so just walk around trying boom and sounding angry. It's great. <laughs> Makes you feel better. <laughs> string tastic, string plastic, string elastic, string shastic. String is everything because we all need string. Oh, oh, string is the king of oh, strings. Can you, can you tell us a bit about line-up printing? So, well, I only got into it when, I don't know if it was because of Bev, TNS Bev, or it was because I saw the Grand Collapse album and I was like, how did they make that? Yeah, I've been, I've been, got into it like about four years ago and then 
it's just like one of the most fun ways of making art because you've got the part where you actually like draw something and then when you're getting to like carve the actual block you can just empty your whole entire mind and just think about the carving and that's all you think about and it's like really nice and meditative um but I, I still feel like I'm figuring stuff out with it because like I haven't had I've, I've just like it's all been trial and error everything I've done and I only do it as like a side thing and it's more of a hobby that like I'm really grateful that people kind of have wanted to buy some of my prints and stuff um and so it's kind of like a self-sustaining hobby I've, I've kind of used it to fundraise a little bit for like a couple for three different charities so far it's just the thing I do that like helps me like get some creativity out and it's it's like a really nice thing that people have asked me to like make artwork for them and yeah mainly I just do it to fill my house up with art because it's expensive I don't I don't really know like how to talk about it because I feel like I get really like bad imposter syndrome with everything I do so I'm like I haven't ever been shown how to do this properly so uh, I don't know if I can talk about it properly uh yeah like carving the the sort of the line of tiles and stuff that was like the one thing I, I didn't do like GCSE art or anything but like before whatever it is you do before that like secondary school art that was like the one thing in art that I really loved um there was just something really satisfying about the sort of scoopy tool thing that you used to cut um and it was yeah I always really enjoyed that and also once you'd created um, the the tile to, to do the printing you could just make infinite copies of it so um, you, you know you just could reproduce your work over and over again which was great yeah like in like I I've, I still have a hard time trying to work color into anything but once you have the actual um, carved lino pattern you've got you can just do anything with it mm. and I'm trying to I'm trying to kind of like work with color but recently I've been doing a bit more of uh, like digital drawing and things like that just to try and practice color practice drawing and all that stuff but I think it's my favorite way of creating art because it's got it's not all the stress of drawing and trying to get it right because I sometimes my hands don't want to listen to me at all hmm. um, and I can't draw anything so when when I feel like that I just kind of do some prints of blocks that I've already carved and it's like look I'm not useless I can do something (laughs) but I do want to try screen printing eventually though I'll I'll put it on uh, my Instagram or I'll put it on my big cartel and I'll be like look I made this anyone want to buy it and like Mm -hmm. 80% of the things that I've made it's it's just like I have a copy of it and no one else cares about it and that's fine (laughs) I just make it for me anyway so yeah yeah I think I should be like that yeah you should, yeah. you should you and not not make what you think other people want like make it make it for you because then that's proper art like when you're true to yourself I think yeah yeah because I'd never really want to make money from from uh aside from when I've done a bit of um fundraising for some charities and stuff um because as, as as soon as it becomes something that you rely on for money or like becomes some sort of obligation like I said before like that's when the stress comes in and then that's when it becomes totally unenjoyable for me so like I just view it as like a hobby that some some of my friends like and support <laughs> I found doing the those like carving for prints in school that was one thing that I really I couldn't stand doing it I was really bad at it I just like 
hack into this thing and then totally mess up and then it came out rubbish. <laughs> I was like, I don't like that. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> My only memory of doing those type of things is like potato prints. I used to love doing potato yeah. prints. <laughs> <laughs> I've never done like sort of like the uh, the kind of like um, like the proper ones with the the proper kit and stuff. It's always just been like vegetable prints. <laughs> yeah. How how long does it take you to make a kind of what you'd consider a good um, lino print? Like how many hours and minutes do you, do you spend on uh, on a good one? Do you think it really like differs? Because sometimes sometimes like I'll have an idea about something to draw. Or like, um, no, I don't know. Like some, sometimes I'll get an idea and I can't get it out of my head and I'll sit down, draw it, transfer it onto the lino and it's carved in the space of like either one whole day or like one night after work and then the next night after work or something. But other times I will just sit with a pen and paper and like try to make something happen. And like, I don't, I don't know, I've got like, I'm still practicing things with like composition and things like that. So yeah, it, it really... I'd, I'd say, I don't know, it's, it's different for every single thing because if it's something that someone else has asked me to do as well, depending on um, how clear they've been about what they want, <laughs> <laughs> either it's like something that I'll just spend a whole weekend on like when I'm off work and then it's done. Definitely a part of it that I really like is the whole like zoning out, This just put a podcast on or put a evil classical music playlist on and, <laughs> um, and then just, uh, yeah, sit and carve and then, and then comes the actual like printing part of it, which is like, you know, when you do print it, sometimes you go back and carve a bit more or I don't really have a set schedule or routine or anything with it. It's just as it, as it like comes, as motivation comes, I just like try and grab at it. Do you feel like you're, um, are you sort of like always progressing with it? Like some of the ones on your Instagram page are like so intricate. Like there's one um, where there's somebody lying, kind of lying on the floor and there's these swords over them and like just all the, the little sort of intricate details and things. Does that, does that just constantly, do you get better at that or are you, have you nailed it already? <laughs> no, completed it, mate, completed it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I definitely learn from every single one that I do. Um, at the start, like the, the the one that you're talking about, um, that was one of the one of the first ones I did when I got back into doing liner printing. And if I was to do that now, I think I'd carve the. Actually, I have it right here. I'd carve the lino in like the negative way. So okay. instead of like the background being. The part with the ink it would be the lines being the part with the ink yeah so every time I do it um especially at the start when I was just figuring out how to do things and watching YouTube videos and things like that finish one do a print have a look at it and just go like as as with everything every person who's creative and creates anything they'll look at the thing they've just created and pick it apart and rip it to bits and just be like what the fuck I'm useless but then but then next time you do it you're like trial and error you yeah you learn as you go yeah like the uh, the guy that does grand collapses artwork his name is john abel i look at his work and it's literally like breathtaking and beautiful and he his work is like massive as well it's it'll be like uh carved onto a, a wood block that's like like two meters by a meter and yeah such intricate detail in its work can i ask is there any going back you know like if you miscarve it is there a way to fix it? Like, cause I don't, I don't know. Like sometimes when I draw, 
fuck something up or I paint and I, I start shit. Like I fuck it up. The whole thing's like, well, I can I try and fix it. But is there an easy way to fix Lino or are you like swearing? <laughs> <laughs> well, if there is, I don't know it yet. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes when um when your like carving tool just slips and you like nick a bit that you weren't supposed to um and you just like carry on and end up printing it anyway it isn't noticeable mm. i mean it is to you because you're like that's the part that i fucked up i'm, I'm just very self-critical i've had cbt and they've told me this <laughs> 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 but um yeah, like you'll you'll see it yourself, but sometimes in the finished product it isn't. But I'm not sure if there is um, a way to like stick stick a bit back on. <laughs> I've just always tried to persevere and kind of it, you know I I've got this like sketchy style. <laughs> like, I just pretend it's my style. <laughs> where it's, um, it's it's not that I can't control the tools well. It's just that you know uh, it's all rugged and like black metal <laughs> <laughs> there's one thing that's getting us through all all these restrictions is projects i think like you know yeah. makes you feel happy it suspends time and like yeah you can get that happy uh artist feeling like and like, is you're not the first person on the podcast to mention imposter syndrome and i i don't think people should feel like that everyone has self-doubt but i think like yeah everyone does like even if you look at even something like quentin blake his drawings in a way, they're not very good. They're very simple. They're very quick, but they're fucking great. And so everyone's got like a, this weird way of being um, an artist in their own way, if that makes sense. Even if it is just their own style or just a particular style, or there's faults in it, there's beauty to it, and it's that's, that's the beauty of art is, is that it's quite subjective. And yeah, so there's there's no imposter unless you are literally stealing other people's things and doing it like. But even that, when you look at some of the artists that like work in in like the the Far East, that they do copies of things. They're fucking really talented artists. They're making copies to order, and they're really really good at what they do. And even I don't think they're imposters. I think it's all valid. Really. I have to ask as well um, on a bit of a tangent. What's with all the burning churches? <laughs> I just hate Christians. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, no, <laughs> no, I um I. I got back into um, Norwegian black metal this the summer just gone. I, I yeah, I have like hyperfixations where I'll just like spend like a few months obsessed with something and then it goes away and then it comes back and da 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 da. But um, yeah, you've got the Norwegian like what were they like twelve year old goth kids in Norway burning churches doing all that stuff. You've got all of those to thank for the burning churches. But it's just it's just such a nice thing to draw as well. Like churches, lovely. Drawing fire is challenging, so I tried to kind of do that. Yeah, no, I don't know. It just looks nice. Um, my parents saw one of the designs <laughs> um, this weekend because uh, they came to visit me. And they were just like, it was one of the T-shirts. And on the front, it has like a burning match. And on the back is a big uh, burning church. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is a T-shirt I made. I, sh I showed them the, um, oh, it's the match. And on the back is a just a building on fire <laughs> <laughs> what did they say what did they make of it I, I think they were just like oh it's nice yeah it's a t you put your stuff on a t-shirt I think to them that's like <laughs> if it's on a t-shirt you've made it <laughs> what'd you make of Brexit it's great no um I work in, <laughs> I work in um, the churches Brexit's great 
Yeah. <laughs> I, hate Christians. <laughs> I hate Christians. Brexit's great. Um, <laughs> no, I, I work in um, a worker co-op grocery store. And since the whole Brexit thing has been happening, we've had an extra level of stress. Um, so we get lo- loads of like stock and uh, fruit and veg, like organic fruit and, fruit and veg from Europe, some of them. That's really like the the delayed pallets at the borders, like they've really fucked with us because sometimes you'll get fruit and veg that's like, it will be fresh when we get it, but if it's delayed, it will go off in, tra- in transit. So that's been fun to deal with. And then the Brexit COVID uh, double whammy's been extra fun as well. Cause you had all those like lorries backed up for miles and miles around the border, around the, around the port. Don't think much of Brexit, me. <laughs> no. Yeah, it just makes no sense. And also, it just makes me sad that everyone I know in bands is going to have such a hard time touring. And when 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 they can tour again, they're going to have such a, such a hard time touring in Europe. I, I think there are some some European countries, I can't remember which ones exactly, but they are kind of talking at the moment about waiving some of those that, those like fears and uh, fees and things like that. Um, I think Spain so. is. Spain have been pretty good at um, all along with the whole visa thing and all the rest of it. Spain are, are really on it. And um, yeah, I feel like Spain's somewhere that um, Brits will be welcome. But um, yeah, I'm not sure about other. I've got something back from the British government based on like petitions that I've signed. And it's basically everything I signed. So it's them saying, oh, no, 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 we're going to do the opposite. It's like, is there going to be any like uh, touring for European actors? Like, no, 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 this is against our border policy. <laughs> it's a shit in the pants. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when you get yourself. Now that will probably be edited out. <laughs> oh Do you feel like that you've, like, as someone that's not from the UK since that vote has been taken? Do you feel like you've had more shit like come your way? Not any more than usual. The it's really weird because the. The main, like, it's been a long time since someone's been openly hostile and racist towards me. I just get the the fun secret racism now where it's like two days later and you're like, you're like that interaction I had was actually like really racist. And it's only like taken two days of me just feeling a real, little bit weird about something for me to realize that's what I feel weird about. Yeah, I do get a lot of people asking me where I'm from originally and it's people that like their customers. <laughs> Or like they'll say, um, uh, a customer said something, was, we were talking about the weather and she said, oh, it's miserable here. It's probably nicer where you're from. And I was like, Liverpool's about the same, a bit windier, really. <laughs> 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 but um, yeah, the whole like getting asked where I'm from originally. And then and then when when I do, if I do answer, the, the instant question is like, oh, so what's going on over there? As if I've got like a telepathic link to the practical <laughs> situation in the Middle East. Yeah, so for me, I feel like because I'm pretty much, like I moved here when I was eight, so I'm pretty Western and I'm assimilated and all that stuff. And I don't have an, I don't have like a proper foreign accent. I've got like a weird uh, anyone who I talk to's accent. <laughs> um, so I think that helps like camouflage me in a little bit. And I don't, yeah, I think the Brexit thing hasn't affected me much. It's just kind of um, affected me in another way where it's like, wow, 51% of this country really thought let's get out of the European Union and that's going to be good somehow. Well, I mean, they were, they were fooled into 
voting that way. But I, I worked, um, it, this was a couple of years ago now, I guess like 2017 or something, but I, I worked with a, a Polish guy um, uh, around the time of the of the referendum and, and he said to me afterwards, uh, I, I managed him and, he, and I said, oh, you know, what? how do you feel about all this? And he would just said, I don't really feel welcome in this country anymore. Um, and he was he was like 19 at the time and it was really hard hearing somebody yeah, say that bad. and just thinking that is mm-hmm. that is not representative of like you know it was it was horrible considering we're a series of islands and everyone's come here in the first place like it's kind of i don't know like i feel more of a more people are imposters for thinking oh well, we we've been here a long time no you've just been long here as yeah. else like there's a really good song by a guy called Den Miller that's about this, actually. You, you like that one, don't you? What's, yeah. it? What's the um, title of the song? England. England. Yeah, she's called England. Yeah. Um, he, he lived and the in lyrics Keithley, are really and he basically, good. <laughs> he said that he wrote this song because he's sick of, like, the people in Keithley who've got... They, they elected a BMP not too long Yeah, Keithley's quite bad from Basically, like, he wanted the song he could perform to these racists, basically, where, where they wouldn't kick him out of the club and he wouldn't have to, like, you know, deal with it in a, in a fisticuff kind of way but that would kind of try and convince them that they were wrong through logic. So he wrote a song that goes through the entire history of the United Kingdom, basically says that everyone moved here in the first place, and that's hmm. basically how it's always been. Very good. Um, okay, should we, um, should we play a song now? Um, so this next song is... So this next song is You and Weird Cities by Jeff Rosenstock. Um, I chose it because it's literally about hanging out with your friends, uh, being on tour, and also the, the chorus is really nice because it's like basically says, when I miss you guys, I listen to your records and it's like hanging out with you, which mm-hmm. living alone during lockdown has been kind of like a like a hug for the ears and the heart. <laughs> oh boy. All right, let's have a listen. Feel I'm living up in Chicago. Maddie's working hard in Ohio.
So I said to my people, slow the testing down, please. They test and they test. We got tests for people who don't know what's going on. We got tests. We got another one over here. The young man's 10 years old. He's got the sniffles. Okay, well, in that case, um, should we get onto some zine reviews? Because I know, Berg, you've uh, hit the mother load with zines this month. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. came in a box that was like a shoe box. So I thought that John had bought like some really like, I don't know. I thought, I thought is he bought new shoes or something? I thought, oh, no, it's not quite big enough for John's shoes. But I was like, I've been... I mean, it's an absolutely massive box. That's big as a shoe box. I mean, yeah. I don't know. small, small shoes. Yeah, I got a bit carried away and, and ordered a shitload of zines from Pen Fight um, Distro. They're based in Manchester. And, yeah, they just got such an awesome array of zines. I haven't been able to go to zine fairs for a year, so I just bought a lot of stuff. I'll probably talk about more of those uh, another time because obviously I haven't read that many. I've had a little skim read through. I felt a bit like Scrooge McDuck, you know, when he just rolls around in money. Just rolling around, not literally, like... <laughs> but I felt like I could just roll around in all these, like, kind of um, mainly sort of feminist, like, zines, but some punk ones, but mainly, like, sort of feminist. But anything that just looked interesting I didn't know about, I was like, oh. So, Killer Tunes and Screaming Bloody Murder in the Basement of Hell and Other Stories by Cubesville is a little anthology of short stories where basically the band gets back together in 11 of these short stories. That it's about some, usually someone's life has become a bit shit and they solve it by getting the band back together. Some of them are kind of extremely um, kind of surreal. Some of them are sort of quite realistic and point to the kind of banal and uh, aspects where people's job eats their life and then they aren't really being themselves and their family time takes over and they just aren't really enjoying themselves and they realise that they were enjoying themselves a lot more when they were in a band. So one thing that I think that, that you should read if you haven't is Ray Bradbury's Fahrenheit 451. Um, is this is incredible. Like um, the ideas are fantastic. It's like dystopic future where like um, firemen go around burning books, but ultimately it shows you like where society's going, where people don't value literature and longer thought processes. Everything's abbreviated to the point where nothing really has any value and, and no one's really interested in anything past the surface meaning and everyone's ultimately unhappy, but by reading books, they'll become even more unhappy. Those ideas are great. And, you know, a guy writing in the 1950s that's really sort of looked at future society and you think, well, that's, that process has kind of happened. But what's most um, brilliant about this book is the way that he writes. It, it's kind of, the way he uses prose is just absolutely full of language techniques and, and um, it, the mood and atmosphere that he creates. He quite often won't say what's happening, but he says what it feels like. And I've been massively influenced by this. I think I'm going to change the way I write prose um, to make it more like just absolute full of mood um, so I totally I want to read more Ray Bradbury and yeah this book is definitely worth um, reading Paul Lass fanzine um, Nina talked about it last month so I won't go into too much but Paul Lass is a bunch of working class women writing this is about race and it's not the thickest issue compared to some of the other ones because the, some of the people were a little bit reluctant to talk about race um, but it's really interesting hearing people's cultural backgrounds and, and kind of just the stupid stuff that people have said to them. Over here, Zine Fest. Um, this is a, a Zine Fest that was it's a Zine in the day, purely a Zine Fest by people of colour. And yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed reading the, the page worth of stuff that people and the artwork that they've done. Um, Selena Laverine Day, she writes Brown Girls. Um, I've, I've really enjoyed reading her take on it. I, I don't know if you know Selena, like, uh, yeah. Yeah I, yeah, I love her. I love her style and her work and stuff as well. Yeah. The zine's really good. 
yeah, I, I love how, how she writes and she's got different people writing about, about racing here and it's, it's really, really interesting. The most harrowing thing I found in this was like her story about confronting a racist on a train. It's just like pissed, mouthing off, thought he'd got an audience, thought he was being incredibly entertaining for people. Some sort of old woman came up to him like, and sort of said, look, can you tone it down? Like no one wants to hear this. And she sort of, he called her a cunt. And Selena just kicked off about it and sort of like went over like, well, just stop talking to people like that. And like, he was like racist to her and then she didn't take it very well. And then um, sort of dressed him down about it. But like, I don't know, just having to deal with that, like not just secret racism, but overt yeah. racism. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'll go through some other ones really quickly. Uh, Lights Go Out, issue 77. You've got punk reviews, hardcore reviews, uh, movie reviews, lots of grindcore stuff like this very interesting um, uh, he's been reviewing he's been churning out a lot of these uh, lights go out zines i've written in a future issue um check them out cheap cans broken vans basement bar bands history of tns records this came with a record that i bought very briefly it reminded me of like the days before there was decent promoters where you got shyster promoters that would get people to try and pay and play and sell tickets and then they wouldn't do any promoting and then say well your band's not really good you didn't sell very many tickets and how much people like TNS setting up and doing the things that they do. And the other like independent promoters setting up has just meant that it's a lot nicer of an atmosphere that promoters do promote, that there's a place to stay, there's, there's food, there's before the, the Brexit thing, which is a, a shit in the pants, that you could go with the country <laughs> do a similar thing in more of a collective atmosphere and mentality about it. So it's interesting, just reminding myself how shitty it used to be like before promoters like, Love the music that they were promoting were just like these shyest people. Right, two more. How to have healthy hair, a cartoon guy by Annie Lawson. Um, I, I did a zine swap with Annie, some of my some of hers, and this is one that I picked up from from a while ago. And she basically she worked in the cosmetic industry, but her hair was falling out. And this zine basically details how she went to having <clears throat> hair like this, really frizzy and shit, to hair like this. <laughs> none of the things that that, that um, the cosmetic industry was doing basically. She talks about natural methods of doing it, of not using, basically the main thing that, that, that she did to change that was stopping using shampoo with sulfates. These are the things that make it fizzy, like basically you want a better way of saying it. And uh, she found, yeah, she cut those <laughs> out. She got healthier, better hair, it stopped dropping out. And it's just a, a story, very well illustrated uh, story about, about how she's kind of um, challenged big companies, but then went back to a stylist at the end and was like, I bet you're gonna be interested to know how I've got this lovely hair. And he's like, yeah, and then he's like, this is what I did. He goes, oh, I wouldn't recommend doing that. It's like, but it works. Yeah, but I'm, I'm so hungry. Come on, to sell the products. <laughs> Maybe people need to stop buying yeah. products that have better hair, basically. <laughs> <clears throat> um, last one, uh, motherfucker. Um, <laughs> this one from Penfight picked up. It, this is uh, Reasons to Hate My Mum's Ex-Boyfriend. Oh. And it's basically a series of people who basically said why they hate their mum's ex-boyfriend, what a motherfucker he was. <laughs> um, I'm going to read a quote around the first one. Um, this is, it gets, it's a lot better than this, but she's, she's detailed, she's going into detail, she's made a flow diagram of why she hates him. Weirdly, overtly long, laugh, papery hands, old man belly, fragile, <laughs> fragile masculinity, uh, total rage shit jokes, um, and lots of reasons to hate an ex-boyfriend, but she's, she's outlined her article by saying, you motherfucker, total motherfucker, absolute motherfucker, fuck you motherfucker, complete fucking motherfucker, I hate you motherfucker, shitty motherfucker, fucker motherfucker, asshole motherfucker, fuck off motherfucker. So that is our, <laughs> that's my scene round of it. And then that's our universal rating blown, but 
<laughs> you've totally exceeded the fuck budget there. Yeah, I have. Sorry. <laughs> right. Thanks for that, Burke. When you're feeling fine and being kind, spend some time in 919. I'm going to put worms in the room 919 because like, they, they, they eat everything and everything eats them and you're all going to end up as worm food one day, but they keep the soil fertile. And uh, yeah, worms ought to be in room 919 because without them, um, we wouldn't have anything that could grow after the bad shit dies. Worm. Um, I think I'm going to put in um, the making available of test kits to families and um, loved ones of key workers as well as the key workers themselves like this is um, going to revolutionize my life it's going to make me feel a lot better about seeing my parents and um, yeah it's um, I'm really really pleased that um, these these new NHS test kits are going to be available to test for COVID it's going to make me feel safer. I'm going to put in springtime, which oh. starts next Sunday, um, <laughs> because it's literally the spring after winter, and fuck that winter that we just had. It was the worst ever. And bring me spring, bring me sunshine, bring me the smell of like flowers in the air on the breeze. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was hoping that one would just like pop into my head while you were all speaking, but it hasn't really, and especially not a fast one. Um, I'm going to put in like talking to your friends and kind of like just talking through your problems with friends, you know, the ideas that come up and then the, the kind of advice that they give and um, just the positive things that come out of that and how important it is um, if you're able to do that. Um, that'll do for, for now, I think. So that's room 919. What were your book reviews as well? Because we missed your book reviews. Oh going to say about oh yeah, it's the good immigrant by oh, right. that's just like loads of different people and then the things i would tell you british was british muslim women write and that's another anthology of poetry and short stories and and such by muslim women in england just before we disappear um for another month um fizzy where can people find you if they want to know more about your work and uh, and see some of it um, they can find me on Instagram at Fizzaprints, F-Z-A Prince. Um, and that's about it. I don't want you anywhere else in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I don't add people who I don't, I've never met, but, but thanks for creeping, I guess. <laughs> cool. Right. Um, any conclusions for, for our listeners before we go? Um, Stay I, cool. I've got- they are, they are exceptionally cool. My my conclusion is um, that that like you, Fizz, I, I want to be a robot shepherd. Oh. I want to put that on my business card. I'll see you out there on the field. Yeah. <laughs> Let's all get happy um, for the sake of the vaccine. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, uh, get, get your vaccine, like, and be happy before and after, and it'll it's more likely to work. Yeah. Be happy. Be happy to each other, and uh, yeah. Don't be Very good. Okay. Well, um, thanks. Thanks, everyone. Um, I guess we'll uh, we'll catch up again next month. Yeah. Um, I'm going to play a song. Um, it's by a band called Spoon. It's called Do You. It reminds me of uh, summer. Yeah, just wandering around, having the best time. We'll finish with that. But um, yeah, thanks, everyone, and we'll we'll catch you all next month. Bye for now. Yeah. See you in a bit. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Nice chatting. Thanks for having me.